Welcome to the Dear Beloved Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jean, founder of the Beloved Collective, and together we will dive deep into relationships, femininity, and the stages leading up to marriage from a Catholic perspective. Here you'll find real conversations rooted in the truth, dispelling the lies found in our culture, and learn practical ways that we can keep Christ at the center of our lives and relationships. Dear Beloved, welcome back. Today we're just going to hop on a quick little episode to talk about my man, JP2, his legacy, and what I'm doing following in his footsteps. So I'm super excited about this episode, so make sure you stay tuned. But first, I want to chat about what I'm grateful for today. Um, I know it's very silly and not very much in season anymore. I'm just grateful for Easter-colored M&Ms. I know it's very silly, but here we are. <laughs> That's where we're at today. Um, so today on our episode, I just want to talk about JP2, John Paul II, um, and his legacy. He was an incredible man. I mean, uh, adventurer, uh, sport <laughs> enthusiast, wonderful thinker, and um, writer and just knew so much about the world and about uh, theology and, and everything, really. He was such a great thinker of our time and such a great man of our time, truly a someone that everyone can look up to and learn from. Um, he did so much in his lifetime. I mean, crazy. He grew up in a really, uh, you know, hard time in history, um, walking across this countryside of different countries to stay safe during the World War II, um, all sorts of things like that. And he went to his seminary um, underground, essentially, when the church was kind of uh, hidden, kind of underground, and he would work um, during the day and then do his studies in the evenings. And some of what he really loved to do was hand on the face to other people. And so during that time, what he would end up doing would be to do theater. He was really into theater. And so he would actually write his own plays. Um, and his own plays would have these, these characteristics of the faith, right, that other plays weren't having at the time. Um, and he would invite his friends and they would put on these plays together in this theater. And one of uh, my favorite of his plays um, is called The Jeweler's Shop, and it's just this beautiful story about this couple, um, and I don't want to spoil it, so go ahead and read it for yourself, um, but he definitely did theater and things like that to help uh, people stay connected together, build community, and also to learn more about our faith and about this world that we live in and about how we are called to live in it. So he did that at, at a really young age and in a really difficult time. He also loved the arts, and so he loved poetry. And he there's there's lots of writing that he's done and, and lots of poetry out there that he um, has. And I'd love to read more of it, but um, that's definitely out there. He was really big into sports. He would go skiing and hiking. And when he was a young priest and, and even, you know, in his priesthood, he would take these, take youths out with him into the wilderness and um, on their camping trips, teach them about Christ and about uh, who we are in front of Christ and how we are to live. And so he built these communities 
uh, in such a beautiful way and in a way that we can emulate from him. He used what was available to him at the time, which was his mind, right, and nature and um, all sorts of things like that and really met these young people where they were at and really was able to make a huge impact on them um, by, by being with them by being their uncle. I had a lot of times, you know, a lot of writings from that time, They, the people who knew him then would refer to him as uncle, right? Um, and so he was much, he was as much a father to them, a spiritual father, and, and like an uncle to them um, with just caring for the needs of the human. Um, and so he, he's, you know, done amazing things. I mean, you might know more of what he has done since he became Pope, but before he was Pope, he was Bishop and he was teaching in, um, universities. Uh, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a class with him and just sit at his feet and just listen to what he has to say. I mean, I think we, we are able to get a glimpse of that from the words he's left us as Pope or some of his writing. I think that's, I mean, it's a huge blessing, um, but to be his student, I, I couldn't imagine just the joy and, oh, just a dream. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, he did a lot of writing. He did a lot of, um, you know, just learning himself, he he was a thinker, right? He would go away and contemplate and think. And I think that's what makes him one of the most influential saints of our time is that, that he went away and, and contemplated with the Lord. Um, all of his writings, all of his works come from that place, come from that retreating into the space between him and the Lord and um, just basking in his glory and his light and in his truth and handing on that truth to us, um, which I think is a huge gift, not only um, that he was able to receive that and give that out, but also a huge gift to us and to the world um, that he left that, those insights too. So I'm super grateful for that. Uh, aspect of of his life um and there's kind of a funny funny story so he would always be drawn to the true presence in the eucharist right um and so in a lot of his travels as pope uh the people he was traveling with and the people who you know are in charge of where he needs to be and when and his schedule would a lot of times try to like bring him away around the the chapels because if he knew there was a chapel, he would stop and pray for like hours and they weren't able to keep him on track. And so a lot of times they would try to um, hide the presence of a chapel or take him another way, um, but he would sometimes find them and then, you know, the schedule would be kind of up in arms. And I just think that that's a beautiful testament to his relationship with the Lord and, and the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist that we as Catholics are blessed to have in our churches. Um, and so I just, I just love that. Um, he did so much for the world, <laughs> as we know, but especially for, I think, two groups of people, um, that being his work for women um, up until him and his pontificate, there really wasn't any pope 
or or any real authority in the church speaking to women specifically or about women and their role in the church. And he was so good at, um, like he was so good at, with the young people and meeting them where they were at. He was so good at seeking out women and really understanding them and their role in the church and and, in family life and their role in the world. And he was such a champion for women. Reading his words that he wrote to women, he's wrote a couple of apostolic letters, um, some mentions in encyclicals and things like that, um, are just so moving because there's, there's truth in it right? When I read those words, it stirs in me something because I know it to be true deep, deep down. Um, And maybe I hadn't been able to put words to it, but he did. And those words just make me so happy and excited because finally I have something to kind of, you know, send to somebody to be like, this is what I mean, or um, just, just to feel understood. And to feel understood by a Pope is like, a crazy thing. Um, he did so, so much for women in the church and his legacy for that continues to live on. Um, and it's just really beautiful to witness. Um, and the other kind of group of people that he was really good at, and I already mentioned it, but young people, right? He had such a love for young people. He would spend his holidays with them. He would spend all of his time with them, teaching them, being with them, keeping um, himself young, right? (laughs) By surrounding himself with these young people. Um, And he did a lot in terms of meeting the young people in the church where they were at, you know, uh, with World Youth Days and his uh, speeches to young people are some of the most beautiful and stirring words um, that you could probably ever listen to if you're a young person and are kind of a little bit confused on what your purpose may be in life or, you know, are, am I going down the right path or just a little bit lost or, or your life isn't full of as full of meaning as you would maybe hope it to be. Um, he has words that are just so incredibly beautiful and Um, helps us to reorder and reorient ourselves into what really matters and puts things in perspective and sees us and doesn't dismiss our challenges, but instead just really understands them and calls us out of that, just as Christ does, right? He, Christ never um, expects us to be different considering our circumstances, um, right? He, He acknowledges where we're at and he acknowledges our troubles and our you know, things that are holding us back, but he also does not leave us there. In every instance in the Bible, after he heals somebody or um, forgives them of their sin, he he always, always, always follows up with, go and sin no more. Essentially, go and change your life now that I've given you this great grace. And so um, JP2 is just so great at that too, of not letting us sit in our um, depravity of our culture or not letting us sit in our our mindsets or not letting us sit in um, our own sin, but instead calls us beyond that and calls us to be better for Christ and for God's glory, um, which is what we're all supposed to be oriented to. So that's why his message is so, so, so powerful. And of course, you may have heard of his work 
on the theology of the body. Um, he wrote, he had this collection of writings when he was a cardinal, uh, and maybe bishop, I don't know, somewhere in there. Um, and he had written all of these and was going to publish them, but before he could publish them, he um, became Pope. And so what he did with these writings, instead of publishing it as a book when he was Pope, he started, um, to give them as his Wednesday audiences. So he broke them up. And so the Theology of the Body as we have it today is a, a compilation of 129 Wednesday audiences. I mean, that's over like almost three years worth of Wednesdays um, of his teaching. And so they're, they're kind of written in these bite-sized pieces of something he could say every week, um, but put together it's this massive work. Um, and so his work on the theology of the body has really spurred a new movement in the church and a beautiful movement in the church because for so long, um, human beings and, and, and sexuality have been a little bit, uh, taboo even in, um, the words of the church. It's been really hard to kind of find uh, a place where the church has something to say on these matters. And so his work on the theology of the body and really coming to understand who we are as embodied people, right? Our spirits and our bodies <clears throat> together. What does that mean? What are we made for? And how do we live that out? What is good, right, and beautiful about it? And how could it be turned into something bad and ugly? And he lays it out so beautifully. Um, I will say it's a little bit hard to understand the first time you read it um, because his writing is very particular. Um, but do not let that stop you if you've never read it um, or find a course or a book that helps you explain it because it's so beautiful and life-changing. I've talked to so many people whose lives have been completely changed by an understanding of theology of the body. And even people who have found his understanding of theology of the body and our, and our sexuality and have converted because of it, which is crazy, crazy and beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's just amazing and life-changing, and his work on the theology of the body is just iconic. Um, what more can I say about that? I talk a lot about it in my program, uh, Made Beloved, which is uh, my proximate marriage preparation program, where we just dive into what marriage really is, right? And kind of what he did with, like, what is the human person and how, how do we... Um, image God and, and what is the theology of our human bodies. I'm kind of looking at marriage and what does it look like and what roles do we play in it. Um, and so I take his teaching on the theology of the body and boil it down as much as I can in, in one week of learning um, kind of like a, a kickstart um, on it, uh, but bring you a couple of the key points to it and really dive into what that means and how that changes um, what we know about ourselves and how we can then change to live out better lives. Um, and so that's part of my program. Um, and his work with young people is, has always been influential to me. One, because I was blessed by it as a young person. 
hearing his words and things like that. But I also really connect with it in, in terms of um, a mission and a ministry of he dedicated his life to the church, obviously, but he dedicated his life to young people in a very real sense. And if he can do it, then surely so can I. <laughs> so his legacy in in that specific realm for women and young people um, really hits home with me because I've been given a mission uh, to serve young people and to serve women. And so having him in my corner and him being an example set before me, and I mean, I in no way will ever get to the point of him and just his amazing gifts that he's left to the world, but I can surely use my gifts and um, bless the young people and the women around me. So that's kind of a little bit why I really, really uh, love JP2 and really strive to be like him in that specific way. Um, and kind of how we're a little bit alike in that way, I guess, if I can even say that. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, I like to share a quote at the end of these episodes. And um, so I thought it fitting that we could talk about my favorite quote from JP2. There, I mean, he's, he's written a lot. <laughs> so there are so many, so many quotes from him. But one of the quotes that I love so much and that I have printed out and I send these to all of my clients. So if you uh, work with me one-on-one -on -one or are in my programs or anything like that, you'll get one of these. Um, and it really helps me kind of hone back in on what we're made for and for whose glory we're doing what we're doing. Um, and you might be familiar with it, but I'm just going to read it to you. It's a little bit long, so stick with me. Um, it is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provoked you with the thirst of fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the masks of a false life. It is he who reads in your heart your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives, the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be ground down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourselves and society, making the world more human and more fraternal. I mean, there's not much I can say on that. <laughs> he really really nailed it. Uh, Christ is the reason for it all. The reason why we are not happy living um, a pared down version of ourselves. The reason why we're constantly interested by self-help and the books and the blogs and the podcasts and all of these things to make ourselves better is because we don't, we, we know we're made for so much. And in the eyes of Christ, we see the the how much we can be right the glory that in which God has created us and so faced with him and faced with the love of God we are not 
happy to be just us or to be left to our defenses, right? Um, but instead to rely on him and to become the best that we can be with everything that we've got going for us. So with that, I will leave you. Um, but I'm so happy we had this chat about JP2 and his legacy. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Dear Beloved podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or many on social media and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to follow along at the Beloved Collective on Instagram and YouTube. That's Beloved spelled B-L-V-E-D. 